Amen. Awesome. I, I appreciate our kids, don't don't you? The high school kids, and uh, they they have a way of being able to share the goodness with our our younger ones and uh, and our older ones. You know, I just got a confession to make. I go home sometimes. I try these things. It's like you need a master's degree to do this stuff. I, I, I you remember the cross thing? The well, you know, I tried it and it was it was crazy. It, it, somebody said that should go in the Miss, uh, Smithsonian Institute of Bad Art there after it was finished. But anyway, uh, it's always interesting. I hope you guys like my shirt. I uh, went to Florida to get this shirt because uh, as I get older, I've, I've learned how to love the hide the love handle thing. And that's what, when you see people do this, most of the time they're just hiding love handles. So that's what I'm doing today. I figure I'd bring a little humor in before I have to lay down the law. Um, and so uh, I've heard a few things in the last couple of weeks, some good things about the, about the series we're in, as well as uh, things that people are confused or they don't understand. And I would just encourage you to stay with it. Uh, don't get too discouraged at times. I th- I, I've been really enjoying the message that Pastor Scott, Pastor Claire, and the Bible brings us. And I think uh, we need to read our Bible, the New Testament, more truly so that we understand the meaning of um, the arrival of Christ through the promise of God to Abraham. So it's imperative for us to do that, so that we don't lose um, the sight of what the message truly is um, today. Amen? So I want to thank God today, and I want to pray for the literal peeling away of the scales upon our eyes and our hearts today. The same process that Paul went through, I pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit within you and me through his grace and wisdom and peace will occur. I also pray that if I say anything today that offends you, that you will be loved through the process, that you would have grace for my words, um, that you would see the heart of God and the words Uh, If I offend you by saying that we don't need the law today, I pray that God will show you why we don't need the law today. Um, The law has no life in it. And hopefully I can explain to you what Jesus meant by his coming to this earth, dying on the cross and raising from the dead today. There's no shame in the words of God. There's no shame that uh, I'm going to share uh, I hope I share it properly today uh, in the way of love and inclusion and equality under Christ's sacrifice for all of us. And I pray today that we all can get a true grasp that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For we, for we are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. A little summary of the review of what we've been going through here. We've got to look at the history of, of the process of the new church and Jesus coming and the Jesus movement. So I want to 
talk about Paul's life and the process of the disciples. And what we tend to forget is that most of the disciples, all the apostles were Jewish. They were raised in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion, in the Levitical law. So it was very hard for us to understand when we read our New Testament that the Old Testament and the New Testament actually was placed together about the 4th century of time. 4th century, uh, like after Jesus left the earth. So um, it was called Ta Biblia, right? So somewhere in the process... um, Somebody combined the New Testament with the Old Testament and called it the Bible. So that's what we read today. Okay. Now, it's important to know that the Old Testament, or what the Jewish people call their covenant testament, okay, it's not an Old Testament to the Jewish people, right? So you need to understand that the, the, the Old Testament for us is a, a, a guidepost to, to tell us how we get what went on between the time of Abraham's promise to God, from God, right? And all the prophetic utterances of the prophets of a Messiah coming for a new covenant. And then the new covenant appears and he teaches us and he tells us that you can't keep the law. You are unable to keep the law. And you put burdens on people and try to make them keep the law. And you charge them to give sacrifice. And you make money off of it. But I'm here to remove that. Now, we don't throw the Old Testament out. I had some people tell me, you know, this series is confusing them. And, you know, the Old Testament is a history book for us, okay? But if we were just to have the New Testament, we would understand, based on the New Testament, why we don't need the law today. So I'm I'm hoping that I'm explaining this in a way that you can receive it. I love the way that Andy Stanley puts it and he shares. But you need to know that Paul is the perfect guy for the job. And I'll tell you why. Because he was probably at that time, just after Jesus had come, Just after he had lived his life, he died on the cross and he rose, he was probably the most expert person in the law. He was an attorney. He understood the Levitical law. He he was commissioned by the high priest and the elders to go out and kill anyone that was for the Jesus, Jesus movement. So when you understand, you read in the book of Acts, and then you get into the the process, you'll see that Paul was a perfect candidate. And when he gets converted, when he is literally the scales, he's knocked off his horse, he's blinded, and three days later, he has to go to see Ananias, because the Spirit of God tells him, go there, and he gets healed, and the scales come off. He immediately goes from killing and stoning Stephen and people of the Jesus movement too, Jesus is the Messiah. See, Paul was very aware of Abraham's promise by God. He understood the prophetic foretellings of the Savior, the Messiah, and he was very, very good at the letter of the law. And those who didn't keep it 
or those who practiced something different were heretics. And he had a license from the high priest and the, and the, and the Jew, Jew, Jewish elders to go out and kill anyone who preached something different. That's why Jesus was crucified. That's why all the apostles, except for a few, were martyrs. So it's, an, it's, a, it's a important to understand that the process of the Old Covenant, okay, the Old Covenant was a temporary means to dealing with the sins of the flesh through the obedient behavior and animal sacrifice along with burnt offerings asserting good standing and relationship with an invisible God. And Paul knew that. He tells us that. In Galatians, he tells us that. The new covenant, which was actually the eternal covenant promised to Abraham, did what the old covenant couldn't do for us. Through ultimate sacrifice of God's son, Jesus, Abraham's seed, it gave access for all men from every nation and tongue, not just the Jewish people, the opportunity to receive eternal forgiveness of their sins and to possess the indwelling No longer did we have to go to a temple. No longer do you have to go and there's a curtain and there's this invisible God. And Pastor Scott talked about it. No longer do we have to do it. Now God comes into us through the Holy Spirit. Now every man has the right. Everybody's equal. No one's better than the other person. Everybody has equal access to the creator of life, God in heaven. And he comes into us and he indwells in us. And Paul understood that. Paul understood that the Messiah was the answer, the new covenant, the mystery, he calls it, the mystery. You hear it in the Bible, the mystery. In the book of Romans, Paul calls the relationship between the old and the new a mystery. This mystery was not revealed until Jesus' arrival. The mystery. What's this mystery going to look like? When we look back and we hear these foretellings, what is the Messiah going to look like? What is the purpose for his coming? After Paul's road to Damascus experience, there was no looking back. He immediately understood that Jesus Christ's Christ's life and his death and his resurrection totally fulfilled the requirements of the law. 618 of them, or something like that. I don't even know. I knew there was a lot of them. I know there's a lot of them. You know, I, I guess I should probably read Josephus and figure it out, but... The prophecies of the coming Messiah and the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, he knew the basis for the Jewish movement's message. And it was this, Matthew five seventeen. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I'm going to do every one of these things and more for you. Paul's admonishment to the disciples of Christ, as well as us, cited in Romans 7.4, reinforces his stance on the Levitical law versus the new covenant. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 
now lives in you. Amen? Amen. In his book, Andy Stanley addresses the elephant in the room. And I want you to think about how we get, how we are, how we are. We, 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 we get this way, okay? When I say we, I mean me, me and you both, okay? The fact that for the early church, the notion that the Gentiles, every, everyone other than a Jew, would now have the same opportunity and rewards as devout practicing Jews was a bit of a problem. The problem was that between God's promise to Abraham in Genesis and the arrival of Jesus, there were 1,500 years of covenant-keeping, law-observing, animal-slaughtering, temple-constructing, nation-building history. The law-abiding Jews, Paul's, to the law-abiding Jews, Paul's message seemed to discount all that. That would make you mad. That would, that would bother you a little bit, wouldn't it? The notion of the Jewish nation paving the way and paying the price for something that would now be available for free, as, as Stanley puts it, to cootie-ridden Gentiles, didn't sit well with either the Jesus-following Jews or the non-Jesus-following Jews. Do you understand? So it takes a while... But for the apostles to, to begin to realize that we don't have to follow the law. These are apostles. We don't have to follow the law. Right? Jesus said to love your neighbor. And in that, the law is fulfilled. Now you're talking to people that for generations, their fathers and their grandfathers, they, they, they told them the word. They told them, this is the word. This is from God. You've heard it said, right? I was thinking to myself when I was reading that part of the book, Stanley's book, I, I, I immediately thought of the parable of the workers in Matthew 20, where everybody gets the same pay. There's one guy, he starts at six, he gets a denarii. Right, Jesus. He, another guy starts at twelve. He gets a denarii. Another guy starts at three, and just an hour before the sun sets, he hires another guy at the vineyard, and they all get a buck. Right? Let's call it a buck. And the one guy says, "Well, that ain't even right." Right? Well, you can imagine how the Jewish people felt. Right? <laughs> Wait a minute here. These people are dirty. They don't even wash their hands before they eat. In the same message that Peter had received in Acts 10, I spoke that message September 27, 2020, this past fall. I spoke this message about Cornelius and the Gentiles. The account of Peter having a vision of the sheet coming down from heaven Verse 12 says, it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, disciple, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. The Holy Spirit spoke to him the second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
Then he's told by the Holy Spirit to go to Cornelius, a Gentile, right, soldier, and he, and he shares his vision that he receives, and then he sits down and eats with him, right? Now, what you need to understand is this is 20 years after Jesus has died and rose from the dead. 20 years. So they're still practicing the law. These guys that walked with Jesus are still practicing the law. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is telling him, don't you remember? You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. He's trying to tell them, it's not by rules and regulations anymore. It's through faith in me that makes all men holy, not by works. And here's the response Peter receives. This is the other part we don't... After he goes there, here's the response that he receives in Acts 11, verse 2. From, these are, Jesus-believing Jews. 20 years later, he does this, and then he goes to Jerusalem, and they got, they got a couple words for him. Right? This is what they say. This is what the word says. So Peter went up to Jerusalem... The circumcised believers. The circumcised believers. What that means is Jewish practicing, circumcised Jewish practicing believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised men and ate with them. It was against the law to do that. The company of the Gentiles in the house and consider eating uncooked food. I shared that. The point being is this, and we still do this today with people. We have these religious practices that we do, and there's nothing wrong with tradition. There's nothing wrong with sitting and, and having the Holy Spirit minister through a song, or, or as we do, remembering God and Jesus and his words, giving his blood and his flesh for our salvation. Nothing wrong. But, but somehow, we, we, we put these things on people. These implied rites of passage that we infer upon one another. That when followed, somehow it makes us worthy of salvation. By the standards of good works. And who defines those good works? We do. Christians define them. We still do this to one another today. And it's just not true. It's just not true. This is not how the kingdom of God works. Nor the covenant between God and Abraham. God, it was counted unto Abraham as righteousness because he had the faith to believe. That's the righteousness. God did this. He did this for us through Jesus. Something we could never do. Our problem back then and still today is our lives and in the church, we like some of the Old Testament exclusive ways. We like that stuff. Ways of doing the security of the new covenant and the salvation, but we, we like the old stuff. It's, it's, it's kind of nice. We can pick and choose, right? As Stanley puts it, we cherry pick it. Then we put it on one another. This exclusive behaviors... Feelings and attitudes we consciously or unconsciously possess are fully functioning today. 
our false mentality and judgments that we are in with God and you are not. We do this and you do not. That's an exclusive mindset. You, 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 you are separating people. We separate people from us, from God's way, from God himself. When we do this, I know now why my brother wanted me to preach this one. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. If there's anyone left, after I'm done, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> oh, here we go. Our false mentality and judgments. These implicit prejudices we possess and mobilize the movement of God's Spirit in us and in the church and in the world. Or how about our our covertly or open self-righteous practices that give us the idea that we are better than our neighbor because we go to church on Sundays and we work at the food bank on Monday. And I watch. You know what? I watch God. They sleep in over there and they stay up late and they party. Lord, have mercy on us. Or how about the racist? (sighs) Ignorant supremacy. Filled with mumbo-jumbo, mix and match. This bullcrap, this bullcrap that says, that says that it is not of God for a black man to marry a white woman. Because in Deuteronomy, well, guess what? We're not under the law. And it's the church who says this. Racism, segregation, subjugation. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Mix and match. This stuff. I'm on a roll now. How about, how about misogyny <laughs> and gender superiority? What a joke. Let's just be honest. You know, I'm, I'm known as a, the cussing pastor in this church. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That's bull crap. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Subjugation in the church. Do you want to know what the definition of subjugation is? The action of bringing someone or something under domination or control. Do you want to be a part of that? I don't. I don't want to. This stuff's been going on in the church, in Christ's name, by the people in it. No wonder people don't want to come to church. No wonder people don't want to believe in Jesus. Based on past experience, we scare the heaven out of them. 
our mix and match gospel, taking scripture out of context. Ephesians 5.22, here's a good one. Here's a good one. I like to call it the cut and paste doctrine. Insecure male preachers and ignorant husbands alike <laughs> like to manipulate and shame. And I hope I'm not shaming you because I don't want to. But I want to speak the truth today. Ephesians 5.22. This is an example. I call it the cut and paste doctrine. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is his head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Okay, that's good. Let's stop. That's what we get. It's like it's out of context. No, 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 no. No, let's keep reading. Because what it really says is husbands. As you continue reading, it says husbands love your wife or like, the, like, like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But see, we throw that one out. We throw that stuff out and we, we spew it all over people. And somebody who doesn't know Jesus is going to say, why? Especially a woman. Why would she want to come to church? To be dominated and controlled? Cut and paste. <laughs> why do we do this to one another? Because we're sinners. The truth is we're sinners. We give it makes us feel like we got power and control, a false sense of security. It makes you smaller and me bigger. I don't get it. What I'm finding in my own life is if Jesus had a lot of hard sayings, if we fully are committed to the new covenant, we can't judge our brother because we get convicted. If we ask God the Holy Spirit that resides in us to direct us. You know that's not right, man. That's what the Holy Spirit says. You know that ain't right. Any way you hear them, that's the way I hear them. Right? And sometimes I hear the Holy Spirit through my wife, and she says, that ain't right, man. And I say, you're right. It's not. Hopefully. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. In the same way you judge, you will be judged. Take the log out of your own eye so that you could take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And as much as you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Those are hard words, but they're truthful. Jesus replied in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There's other translations for hang. Hang means depends on. Another translation fulfilled in. Galatians 5.14, the entire law is fulfilled in one single decree. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pastor Scott talked about the Sermon on the Mount and referenced the scripture of Jesus saying, You've heard it said, he's referring to what was passed down to generate. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not commit murder. 
Well, you don't have to do that. You know why? Because if you're loving your neighbor, you're not going to do that. That's it. That's it. The old way was, in the Levitical law, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said, love your neighbor and love your enemy and pray for him. I know they're going to despise you and they're going to use you and they're going to persecute you in my sake, but you count it as a treasure. Those are hard sayings, man. It's like I went to the car wash yesterday and some dude was like chewing me out. What do you think happened? I'm like, I'm, it's like Pastor Scott shared the example, right? And it's like, I can't believe this guy. I mean, I, I and good thing Kathleen was there. <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I don't even know if this is real, man. Is this guy for real? He's taking my money. He want, I want to wash my car, but is he real? Probably one of the greatest. I, I do want to say this in judgments. Judgment. I want to talk about judgments. Before we drill down into Galatians 3, I want to talk about judgments, and I want to tap into the illustration of this transparent but true question in your own life. I want you to think about this, this question. Did you ever think to yourself, and just be honest, don't say it out loud, there is no way in hell, this, or in heaven, or on earth, that this guy is going to make it to heaven. Have you ever thought that? Like, you ever meet somebody and think, man, there is no way that dude, he's just not good enough. There's nothing good about him. Did you ever think that way? Probably one of the greatest illustrations of this in us, and this is why it's in the Bible, is the thief on the cross. When you think about it, it's like it breaks all the religious rules, right? It breaks them all. It's like, how does that work? And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognized his sin. He tells the other guy, man, we get, we're getting what we deserve. We've been stealing, robbing, raping, pilfering. But this guy, ain't done nothing. Hey, remember me, Jesus. And Jesus, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And he said, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Salvation cannot be that easy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jesus. Wait a minute. I think you need to go back and talk about the Roman's road to salvation. He needs to know that. And Oh, my gosh. You didn't even baptize him. I don't think he's going to make it. No, he's making. He's there. He's there. Galatians 3, I I admonish you to read the whole chapter, to understand the whole chapter. Read Galatians 3. But I want to read this part, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. 
He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit of God in us. Romans 13, verse 7. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remaining outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be. Sounds like Paul got to where I said, I don't know, there's like 1,600 or whatever. As many as there are. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. And the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I'm going to finish soon, but I want you to bear with me. Because there's a couple of things as a father in this church I want to address. We're going to have our family meeting right now. And this has been hard for me. But I'm speaking to you if the Lord convicts you. I'm speaking to the church in this world. And I want you to ask God to show you what I mean by this. During this pandemic, I've heard and seen people in the church create dissension and division, making statements like, I'm not going to that church because they make you wear masks. They won't let us assemble freely. And they enforce a limited attendance. They don't have faith. It's our right to assemble. The government and the church elders, they need to blah, 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 blah. Mm. You know what? You have a right to wear a mask or not wear a mask. But you have a greater right to love your neighbor. You have a greater right to love your neighbor and consider them by wearing a mask. As Christians, Romans 13 reminds us, God has set up authorities, people that give us direction as we live all together as human beings and sinners that protect us. And there are people who are weak or small or vulnerable. So we should wear masks so they don't get sick because viruses are real. Take it from me. You've heard my testimony. Viruses will kill you. It's true. Don't make it an issue. It'll send you to hell. You make an issue like that, and you've forgotten what God's called us to. Love. Love your brother. Wear a mask. Right? Unless you have medical issues, honor what the authorities are requesting. That's it. 
Don't be an embarrassment. Don't make people not want to come to church. That's harsh. I know it is. But it's true. Please. One more thing I want to address. Because I can, right? You probably wouldn't hear my brother or my sister-in-law ever say this stuff. But I think it in my position. And I see it. And I hear it. There's one more thing that I want to address. is the Enneagram. It's like... I hear people say it's of the devil. It's, it's, it's cultish. It's new age. Nobody ever said that it was the Bible. Nobody. Nobody in this church has ever said that. It is a tool. It is a tool like a car that gets you from one place to the next. It's a tool that we employ to help self-examine Kind of like take a look at yourself and understand yourself better so that you can be a better person to yourself through grace and to those around you. To be able to really love your neighbor and yourself. Because if you can't love yourself, you're not going to love your neighbor. So this nitpicking, dissension-making stuff has got to stop. It's just got to stop. It's like my friend Tom Sharpley. His, his platform is the words of life are spoken here. In life, there's a lot of multifaceted things going on, right? And it's okay to use tools to make yourself feel better about yourself, to understand yourself, and your spouse, and your neighbor, and have grace. There's no shame in this. And if I've portrayed it as shameful, I'm sorry. Obviously, I I cry a lot when I get up here. It's a passion for me. You know, for whatever reason, God wants me to speak this word today. And it's like, do not lose your Christianity over the law that is in you. There's a lot of things that are in us that we were taught when we were little. Implicit stuff. It's like, that's not true. Jesus loves us. Right? Trust me, I was tested in this stuff. I used to talk to criminals doing violent acts every day. People would say to me, how do you do that? I said, you know what? It's it's like a, a, a Holy Spirit thing every day. And it is. Our walk is a Holy Spirit thing every day. So let the Lord's words rinse over you. Sometimes Jesus' words were hard. And it was hard for people to walk in them. Just ask the rich young ruler. Romans 8. I want you to listen to this in, in light of what we've said. In light of what I've said. And hopefully the Spirit of God has said through me. Listen to it. Let it minister to you. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. 
And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. We failed. We failed today. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fulfilled, satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit of God. Listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let us pray. May God fill you with a spirit of true love for him and your neighbor. May you live fully in the new covenant of truth, grace, forgiveness, freedom from bondage, and salvation for all men from every nation. May you and your children's children's children receive the full blessing of God's promise to Abraham through faith in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to Crossroads Church and Ministries. The words of life are spoken here. God bless you guys. Bless you, now I'm going to go eat a bunch of junk food because it makes me feel better. <laughs> well, have and I'll a just wonder- get a bigger shirt. There you go. Have a wonderful week, everyone. We ask, um, as Kathleen said earlier, if you have a few minutes to help set up uh, for the vaccine clinic, we'll take about 10, 15 minutes. And as you're walking out or as you're sticking around to set up, we'll sing Waymaker and... Uh, Pastor Sean, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for the word. And bless you, everyone. Go about, go forth in your week knowing that the Spirit of God is in you, and we have been saved through the grace that is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you.